the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hour number two of the Bruce Woolley Show starts right now. And uh, we'll be joined in just a moment by our friend, Adam Hewitt. He knows where the bodies are buried in D.C. and Ohio. We're going to talk. We're going to talk Turkey on uh, some congressional races. There are 15, and uh, there are some that rise to the top of the list. We'll hit those. But before we do that, uh, Bruce Hooley sent a great question uh, earlier in the show, and I missed it. Uh, but uh, in a, he asked it while I was talking to State Representative Gary Click. And Bruce asked, what happens if the University of Illinois or USC or UCLA brings a trans girl athlete to play against OSU in Columbus? What does this law do to stop the idiocy? That's a super fantastic question. And uh, I actually uh, volleyed that over to Mark Weaver. And uh, Mark was just on with us. Sent him an email, and he said, from the law, no school interscholastic conference or organization that regulates interscholastic athletics shall knowingly permit individuals uh, of the male sex to participate on athletic teams or in athletic competitions designated only for participants of the female sex. So it would be flagrant violation of the law. And then my follow-up question was, if a West Coast school violated the rule or whether it's Illinois what are the implications? I know that there is civil action that's possible for a deprived party. Let's say the team loses, so on and so forth. But does the law have teeth in the moment? Because due process takes time. Um, and he said, here's the law again uh, with decent leverage. It's uh, Section F1. Any participant who is derived – or excuse me, derived – deprived of an athletic opportunity or suffers a direct – or indirect harm as a result of a violation of this section has a private cause of action for injunctive relief, damages, and any other relief available against the state institution or the private college. So um, there you go, Bruce. That's a fantastic question. And I'm sure one that will have answered in the courts at some point or uh, a, a team seeking injunctive relief. All right. It looks like Jeff has him on the line. Adam Hewitt, welcome in. How are you today, man? Hey, Jack. In the words of my good friend, Jack Windsor, I am doing super fantastic. Uh-oh, it's contagious. It's contagious. The phrase is spreading, uh, just like uh, misinformation in the mainstream press. Um, Correct. <laughs> hey, uh, let me get your visceral response to the Ohio Senate overriding Governor DeWine's veto of House Bill 68 yesterday. I think it was the right thing to do. I mean, if you talk to the, the folks that we always talk about on your show, I mean, across the state, I think they're probably in agreement with the override. And, and uh, I know there's more to it than just the sports issue, but uh, men should not play in women's sports. Yeah, I I, I echo that. Um, let's talk Congress. Fifteen races, I believe. Obviously, we're in 
primary season, which just a reminder to listeners that the Democrats will choose their candidate. The Republicans will choose their candidate in March. And then in November, the Republican candidate will square off against the Democratic candidate, assuming that, you know, there's opposition. Um, I don't know if I go down the list here, there might be some that are unopposed. Uh, but looking at all of these districts, a, a couple of rise to the top to me, District 2, District 9, and District 6. Are there any races that uh, maybe need to be on the radar for our listeners that aren't in your mind? I think the, the two biggest ones are obviously the ones where uh, it's essentially an open seat, where Congressman Winstrup uh, is, is not going to run again, and Congressman uh, Johnson took the the Youngstown uh, president job. So uh, Winstrup is obviously Ohio, too, and that's I think there's 12 or so candidates, and there's a couple self-funders. There's a state senator, um, and then there's a former county party chairman. So that's getting pretty pretty heated, as you can imagine. And then uh, Congressman Johnson's seat, there's a state senator and a state rep, or maybe it's two state reps. But So that one's obviously – the field's not as big, but those are two I think that, that uh, you should pay attention to. So let's dive in on that if we can real quick. So I'm looking at the list here, and uh, in, in District 2 – uh, Democrats, Samantha Meadows, uh, Joe Wessels, and then, man, this is like uh, a football squad here. Uh, Naraj Antani, uh, Kim Georgeston, Phil Heimlich, Matthew Henderson, Ron Hood, Tom Huang, Larry Kidd, uh, Derek Myers, Tim O'Hara, Charles Tassel, David Taylor, and Shane Wilkin. Who jumps out on that list for you as a, as a good candidate? I think, like I said, there's a couple uh, uh, self-funders. I think it's it's O'Hara and Taylor. And obviously, sometimes in these campaigns, uh, you don't have to have the most money, but you have to have enough money, and they clearly have enough money. Uh, and then the state senator, I think he rep- – the district, I think, is like 16 counties. And so he's got like eight or so of those 16 counties. And so just in terms of raw name ID, he's got to have the upper hand because people already know who he is. And that's Naraj Antani, correct? That's Shane Wilkins. Naraj, oh, Shane Wilkins. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Naraj is also a state senator, but but he he does not represent that that Senate district I mentioned currently. Shane does. Got you. Yeah, and and I've been receiving some information on uh, Tim O'Hara, and I'm I'm working to get him on the show because there are some questions that uh, I know that need to be answered, and and he's not yet responded. So Tim, if you're listening, uh, we need to book you, buddy. Uh, let's let's <laughs> look, <laughs> let's look at District Six. Um, that's interesting. Uh, actually, one of those candidates, Reggie Stoltzfus, is a state representative right now, District 50, and uh, he's squaring off against uh, Rick, and I don't, I'm going to mispronounce it, Sai, T-S-A-I, and uh, Michael Ruley. Now, Michael Ruley is a state senator. Uh, and then Lou Lyris is, uh, didn't make the ballot, and then Democrats Ryan Finzer and Michael Kripchak. Um, I would assume that that district is probably leaning a shade red. Is that fair to say? A dark red, yes. Okay, good. Well, of those two, Reggie Stoltzfus, Michael Ruley, those are the two that pop out on that list to me. Um, do you see it that way? And do you think any, either one of those has a, a, a head a, a head start or you know may fare better in this race? Yeah, like I said in the previous the district we talked about, I think a name ID in, in, in these kind of open, quick campaigns actually matters. So they're both already elected officials, so they both have, have decent name ID. I think Reggie's uh, probably has the more conservative voting record. I know that uh, Mr. Ruley has had some comments in the past about the, the transgender issue that I don't think sat well with most folks, especially in that district. But I think the challenge in that district, 
as well as the second district is the geographic footprint is so big. How do you actually campaign and run a, run a legit ground game when you have that much ground to cover? Yeah. Well said. And so it, it might come down to who's funding and uh, how they're going to get the word out through social media, radio, TV. And to your point, I'm looking at the Institute for Legislative Analysis. And uh, without going into the weeds on, the, on their methodology, that is a limited government index. And they rank state officials. Reggie Stoltz was his number one. 92.41%. They looked at 41 votes. He's actually at the top of the list, won an award recently uh, as, as the lawmaker that believes in limited government and has voted accordingly. So uh, that's a pretty strong message for Reggie. Uh, let's look, uh, while we've got a couple of minutes here, Adam, uh, let's look at uh, District, is it District 9? I hope that's right. Yes, Marcy, Captur. Um Boy, Derek Marin, Craig Riedel, J.R. Majewski. Majewski previously had the Trump endorsement, and then the AP uh, attacked him massively last year. Uh, Marin, I think, got into that race because of that. And then Craig Riedel made some comments that uh, didn't bode well for pro-Trump people. How do you see who, – who do you see the Republican being in that race that comes out to face Captor? Yeah, that's a tough one because, like you said, uh, Mr. Rito had some comments that, that kind of – he got some blowback on. And then, you know, Jr. obviously tried tried last time and wasn't successful. And th- this reminds me of kind of the U.S. Senate race in Ohio where we have to focus on who can win the general. Mm. And I think voters need to, to, to somehow wrap their minds around, you know, in these primary, you know, debates or campaigns – if the goal is to, is to beat the Democrats and win the seat, who can actually do that in the general election? Sometimes I think we get too focused on, you know, uh, throwing, throwing bombs at each other in the primary to where then we can't win the general. Um, who do you and, – and maybe you don't want to answer this. Do you think there's anyone better positioned in that race? I have not followed that one very clearly. I think okay. that um, – I think – Riedel was was doing pretty well until, like I said, the, the Trump comments came out and he got some blowback. And I'm not sure. I haven't seen any polling. I'm not sure how Majewski or Marin doing now. So I I I can't answer that question intelligently. Okay. Hey, uh, another quick question. Do you have time to hang with me for another eight minutes on the other side of this segment, or do you, do you have to run? I'm good for as long as you need me, sir. Okay. Cool. I've got a couple more questions. We got to talk football. So uh, stay tuned to ninety-eight point nine FM. The answer of the Bruce Hooley Show. Jack Windsor filling in for Bruce, editor-in-chief of the Ohio Press Network. I'm joined on the line by Adam Hewitt, and uh, he is uh, – 20 years, almost 20 years of experience in Ohio politics and federal politics. And we're going to talk a little more about uh, Ohio politics, U.S. politics, and then got to get his picks for uh, Lions v. 49ers, Chiefs v. Ravens. Uh, all of that coming up next on the other side of the break. Welcome back in. I'm joined by Adam Hewitt. And um, Adam, <clears throat> on the break, I, I pulled up an article, and I want to I talk to you about this. Um, it appears to me it's been 
more than a year in the making. Joe Biden trying to get a uh, bipartisan deal together with Democrats and Republicans. And now all of a sudden we have Mitt Romney saying uh, today that uh, President Trump's to blame, that he doesn't want Republicans to compromise on Ukraine funding and certain provisions of the bill. And, and Romney's getting out in front of it and saying, well, Donald Trump is is pushing for Republicans not to get something done at the border. This is a travesty. Um, what's going to get done at the border, if anything? And uh, do you think Trump is to blame? Uh, Trump's not in office, so I'm not sure how you blame him. But uh, I know <laughs> Mr. Biden wants, wants more money. He claims, give me more money, we'll secure the border. Uh, I don't think it's a money issue, but the, the southern border is a real problem, and it needs to be dealt with yesterday. You know, it is a problem, uh, one, because uh, you have people that will be here who won't have resources that they need. Um, and if they do secure housing, housing is, is – uh, there's a housing shortage already. Uh, but the big elephant in the room is uh, the fentanyl that's coming over the border. And I'll tell you what, I get really frustrated. I watched the GOP U.S. Senate debate a couple of days ago. And uh, one of the moderators said, well, you talk about fentanyl, like it's coming over the border illegally, but it's really coming in. I don't care where it's coming from. It's killing people. I'm actually going to have somebody in the studio next week to talk about uh, a crisis uh, involving one of his family members. Um, are you appalled that we're not uh, not getting done what needs to be done there already? This isn't a money issue. It's an enforcement issue, isn't it? And the fentanyl is killing people. The number one killer of 18 to 40-year-olds is not climate change. It's not heart attacks. It's not tobacco. It's fentanyl. And we're not doing anything about it. And like I told you, I told you a while back, you first have to be, uh, be aware of it. Then you have to admit it. Then you have to find a solution. Uh, and it's almost like these folks don't even want to admit it. It's a serious problem that has to be dealt with. Well, you know, if you hear the Democrats in, in the Ohio Senate the number one issue facing kids that are, you know, 18 or even younger is is not being able to transition, uh, get their breasts lopped off, their penises cut off, or not be able to go on puberty blockers or cross-sex hormones. Those are the issues that they want to focus on. But to your point, um, it's not climate change. It's not, it's not trans, quote, gender-affirming care. It's the fact that the, I, there, there's a kid from my high school. He's younger than me, obviously. He's he's he well, he was the son of of somebody in my hometown. The the guy now should he have been smoking marijuana? No, but he he, he smoked marijuana. It was laced with fentanyl, and he died. Do you know how often that's happening in our country? And I don't even know that it's fully getting reported. I am appalled that we are not enforcing border laws as they currently exist. And you've got a president who wants more money to do what? And what the hell is he going to do with more money? Correct. And they're asleep at the wheel. I mean, literally, like I said, you, you have to admit there's a problem and then find a way to solve it. And this stuff is killing people. And to your point, you, should you smoke marijuana? I'll leave it up to you. Probably not. But it's not supposed to kill you. Nor is taking a Xanax like my, my friend Mark Murphy's daughter took a Xanax, laced with it, and it killed her. Uh, this, this is a huge problem. And, and people hear fentanyl, they think, oh, everybody's just overdosing. No, it's not. It's on uh, you saw the one story about it was it was uh, there was a quarter in a park somewhere on the ground and a little girl picked it up, had fentanyl on it. Uh, so it's not just people ODing on this stuff. It, it's just it's flooding through the border and it's all over the place and it's killing people. Yeah, it's disgusting, man. Um, 
I'll tell you what. Before I, I don't, I, I'll I'll bring you down from from you know your uh, increased blood pressure that I, I probably just caused a spike. Let's talk football. Um, t- two big playoff games: Lions and 49ers. How do you see that one going? Well, speaking of blood pressure, uh, football definitely gets my blood pressure to rise. <laughs> and speaking of the Lions, I am a huge Dan Campbell fan, and. Uh, if you read the article about his former teammates, they said, uh, you know, I think it was John Kitten who he played with at the Lions years ago. He said, Dan is a hat and boots guy, and you don't mess with hat and boots guys. I'm a hat and boot guy, so I'm picking Dan Campbell all day long. I hope to win the Super Bowl. Do you think he has the? Uh, do you think he has the the personnel to get it done? Yeah, I think it'll depend on how golf plays. He's been playing well, uh, limited turnovers, and, and, and you know. I think it's all about quarterback play in that one because I think the 49ers defense with Bosa and some of those guys is pretty legit. Yeah, it is legit. And speaking of legit defenses, the, the Chiefs defense is is the best that I think it's been in the Patrick Mahomes era. Uh, and he's got a running back now that's starting to perform um, really well. Uh, Chiefs-Ravens, uh, how do you see that one? Yeah, I think uh, if you watch lately, Lamar is, is tough to defend. And I think, you know... I, what always makes me kind of scratch my head with the Chiefs is the more you blitz Mahomes and he gets out of the pocket and scrambles and it's broken routes and backyard football, the better he does. Yep. So, obviously, I'm not a D coordinator in the NFL, but part of me says rush three people and spy him and just stay in coverage because I don't think he's the greatest when he stays in the pocket. No, he's he's so athletic and he's so adept at throwing off platform is what they call it. It's a fancy way of saying he's off balance and he you know he he doesn't throw it mechanically sound. Uh, but he can flip it you know sidearm or he can you know be falling off of his uh, balance and from his back foot you know throw it forty yards downfield and, and he lands them and it, it is crazy. It's something to watch. Um, who do you think wins the whole shooting match? So. You're you're going to pick the Lions, and are you picking the Ravens then, or are you picking the Chiefs in that one? Yeah, I, I you know, normally I don't do this because you know the old line you go with your your mind, not your heart. But I got to go uh, uh, Lions, Ravens, and I'm just going to go with the Lions. I have to. I can't go against the hat and boot guy. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. There were some people at the beginning of the season who said the Cleveland Browns, the Detroit Lions, and there was a moment a couple of weeks ago. I thought it's going to happen. It's really going to happen. And yeah. and then, of course, uh, C.J. Stroud had a heyday, and the Browns' defense uh, didn't show up. Although I would argue, 30 seconds on here, would you agree with me that that defense for Cleveland was not what it was made up to be? I told my wife, who's a diehard Browns fan, if you watch the Browns all year and then you watch them in that game against the Texans, it was like they didn't show up. And it was a completely different defense. So um, I thought they were legit the whole year, but that game they were not, obviously. Yep. Well, I, I like your pick for the Lions, but I'm going to go 49ers, Chiefs. Chiefs going to win the whole shooting match. Adam well, Hewitt, Jack, go ahead. Look, man, you can't bet against the hat and boot guy. I'm telling you. <laughs> All right, I'll bet you a steak dinner. How's that? Copy that. That's fair enough. All right. Adam Hewitt, we'll have you on again next week, brother. Have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Jack. Have a good day. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, up next, Reggie Stoltzfus, so stay tuned. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.